You're very welcome to Understanding Money. I'm Owen McGee. If this is your first listen, I really appreciate you tuning in or listening in. And hopefully by the end of it, I'll convince you to hit the follow button. If you're a regular listener, I appreciate you even more. Today is all about saving. And I'm talking about savings habits, the rules, how you become a good saver. The first thing to identify or accept or realise, whatever way you want to beat yourself up is, there's no such thing as, I'm a bad saver. You're either a saver or you're not. It's a habit, okay? So you either create the habit or you don't have the habit and you need to start it. And everybody should try and start it. And you do need to sit back and decide what is it, what's the purpose, what's the reason. There's three different pots of savings that I talk about. The first pot is short-term stuff. That you're saving for stuff that might come up this week or this month or next month or in the next couple of months. Or then you've kind of even longer stuff where we're, it's not long-term yet, but it's still in the short-term from a financial planning perspective that might actually happen in the first five years. Whether you're saving the for, for next week, next month or next year, if you're going to spend the money in the next five years, it belongs in your bank account. That's where you're going to save. Bank account, credit union, on post. You can play around with the rates. It doesn't matter. If it's beyond five years, we're going to invest it. Go back and listen to the investment episode if you missed that one. We're going to invest it. Listen to that and you'll understand how to invest it. And then if it's long, long term, then it's pension stuff. We've done one on pensions too. You can go back and listen to that. But the first thing you need to realise is you need to get yourself into a habit. If you're not a saver right now, just start. And what I mean by that is, is just start the habit off as small as you possibly want to. It doesn't matter how big the saving. It's about creating the habit at this stage. If you're not a saver, it doesn't matter how much you save on a month-to-month basis. And what I'd like you to do is to pick an amount right now that you say to yourself, next month or next week or whenever I get paid next, I'm going to save X amount. And I don't care if it's a euro. In fact, start at a euro if you want to because we're just trying to create the habit. I want you to pick an amount that's so small that you would be mortified if at the end of the month you hadn't saved your one euro or your five euro, anything, right? Get the habit started off and then turn up the volume on it each month. A euro this month, two euro the next month, four euro the next month, eight euro the next month, but just get the habit started. The important thing that you have to do is that you have to keep increasing it until you find your pressure point. So there's actually, there's a great story and no frogs get killed in this, right? But there's a great story about if you have a pot of water and it's on the hob and it's cold and you put a frog into it and the frog starts swimming around and it can't get out, okay? And you turn the heat up on it a little bit. The frog will keep swimming around. You turn it up and turn it up and turn it up to the point where the frog will keep swimming around until the water boils and then the frog dies, right? As opposed to if you put the pot on, you turn it up to full heat, it's boiling, you throw the frog in, the frog is going to try and jump out. But it's the same with your savings. If you jump in, okay, I can't save and I'm crap at saving. I'm going to start a saving habit and you jump in, I'm going to save 60% of my wages next month. You're just going to jump out straight away again the same way the frog would. It's just went too far, too fast. Start really low and turn it up very, very slowly until the habit is created. But also make sure you help yourself by making the saving, the decision to save, make that decision once. Don't make it every month. Automate it. Say, right, the only time you should be interfering with your savings is when you're increasing it or you're decreasing because you overshot the runway. But you need to automate it. I get paid on the first of the month, on the second of the month, I have 
a standing order or direct debit going from my current account out to my savings or out to my credit union or out to wherever I'm saving. And make sure that you're not having to sit down once a month and make a conscious decision to move the money over and to manually do it. Because every month you'll come up with an excuse as to why it needs to be a different amount this month or why I can't save this month at all. And you're making it really hard on yourself to make where you're going to have to make 12 savings decisions every year instead of making one at the start of the year, making it automated and it just shoots out and it happens automatically. The other consideration to make is you have to do your savings at the start of the month. Once you get paid, well, it doesn't matter if it's the start of the year, whenever you get paid, immediately after that, like within 24 hours, make the saving contribution there and then. Make sure you get it out of your current account and you get it in. If you don't do that, what happens is some people will do it the opposite way around. What they'll say is, right, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to be really good for the whole month. And just before I get paid again, whatever's left in my bank account, I'm going to save that. Now, that's akin to going on a calorie-controlled diet and not eating healthily or not eating enough throughout the day. And then at the end of it, you go all day, you're starving all day. And at the end of the day, you pick up a Big Mac, you smell it and you put it away for later. That's cruel. And that's what you're doing with your savings. You're saying, I'm going to be really, really good all the month long. I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to deprive myself of enjoyment in life. And then whatever's left over, I'm going to save it. And that's my reward. I'm going to put it away for later. That's miserable. Do your savings at the start of the month and then spend guilt-free for the rest of the month. It's much easier and you have a much better chance of success. But you also need to think about the relationship you have with your savings. I can give you an example. If you're, particularly if you're in a couple, but it's just as important if you're an individual saving, but particularly, let me use the couple as an example of how it's really, really important to create an emotional attachment with our savings. And we create an emotional attachment with our savings by naming it. I hate the word rainy day. Perfect example of this. You're sitting at home, it's Thursday evening, your partner arrives in, and let's just say male-female partner, you're the female, he's the male, and you're sitting there and your your male partner arrives in and he says, Jeez, that was a really tough day at work. Come on, we go out for dinner. And you say, we've no money, we're not going out for dinner. We do, we have a rainy day fund, let's just go out, dip into the rainy day fund, it's raining. I've had a miserable day, we'll have a few pints and something to eat. All right, okay, let's go. Now, rewind that a little bit, and imagine... You're sitting on the couch, he arrives in, and he says, oh, that was a crap day at work. Come on, we go out for dinner and a few pints. We have no money. We do. Let's just take it out of our week weekend away in Galway next May fund. See the difference? He's less likely to suggest he's going to damage next May's weekend away with you when there's a name attached to it than when it's called the rainy day fund. Create that emotional attachment. And it's the same for you as an individual. If you have a goal, make sure, like most bank accounts, most most of the apps in particular will allow you to name, to put a nickname on the account. Use that. So the next time you're thinking about dipping into it, you'll think twice about dipping into it. It's very powerful when it's something emotional like a weekend away together that you're both looking forward to. But if you're saving something else, like for little Johnny's college fund, you're also less likely to dip into it because little Johnny won't go to education if you do. So... Name those things, name those savings, get an emotional attachment to it, but also be realistic. Like, saving can be hard. You are depriving yourself of certain enjoyments in life because you are saving. That's the sacrifice. That's what saving's about. You're delaying gratification today for further gratification in the future. That's what savings to habit is all about. But be realistic about it. So let's take the example of someone saving or a couple to saving for a deposit for a house. You both need to be on the same page. You need to say, right, we're trying to save 
20 grand and we can save a thousand euros a month and I'm making the numbers up right save a thousand euros a month that means it's going to take us 20 months to, to get there I would much prefer for you guys to say let's do it over 24 months let's do it over two years let's save the thousand euros a month that's our big goal we're going to name that deposit for our house I know 24 grand mightn't get you that far right that's 24 grand for our house that's towards our deposit we've named that we know it do you know what we're going to do it's going to take us two years of sacrifice, deprivation, all of those things where you're not going to live your life to the fullest because of this future goal. And rather than doing it in 20 months, do it in 24 months. And you know what you do? Decide between the two of you and communicate. Or if it's just you and your own, communicate with yourself. Every three months, maybe, or every six months. Dip into it and give yourself a reward. If we save consistently for three months or if we save consistently for six months or whatever it is that works for you, we're going to dip into our savings and we're going to go for our weekend away in Galway or whatever it is. If you want to be really clean about it, what you would be doing is, is you'd be putting a certain amount into the regular savings that the, the long-term goal is about and you'd be building a different pot for the rewards. So that when he does come in on a Thursday evening and really does need to go out for something to eat and a few pints if that's what de-stresses him, well then you have this other little pot here that you're going to dip into and you're both okay with that when it comes to saving and particularly long-term saving you need to communicate you have to talk to each other or you have to talk to yourself and lay out realistically what needs to be done and realistically what's achievable and realistically how you're going to be able to live your life when you're making these sacrifices and how much sacrifice do you want to make there are people out there who are able to save lots and lots of money and live their life to the fullest. If you're one of them, you can still learn from what I'm talking about. The emotional attachment will make you have better decisions, make better decisions around your finances. There are also lots of people out there who really struggle with this and really find it hard to get savings. We're going to do things slightly different this week, actually. We don't have a guest, so we're going straight to Q&A. Amanda, you're very welcome back for our Q&A today. I'm glad to have you back. Thank you. Will we just jump straight in? Straight in. Let's go Let's to question go. one. Hi, I'm 13 years of age and I have 3,000 in my own post account. What can I do with my mom and dad um, to invest it? Deadly. Probably our youngest contributor to the podcast so far. Yeah, that's <laughs> deadly. Yeah. What I would suggest that that 13-year-old does with their mom and dad as regards to investing money is, is keep it away from mom and only listen to dad. No. <laughs> no. Oh, win. Look at the face on you, Amanda. No. Look, fair play to you. You've got your three grand put together. What I would say is, is there's actually lots of things you could do. So you could... It depends. It, the rules for you or the rules for this 13-year-old are the same for as they are for anybody else. If you're not going to spend the money in the next five years, which is about 40% of the current life that he's already lived, right? Yeah. So if you've, if you've got, um, if you're not going to use the money for five years, it just doesn't belong in a bank account. The rules are no different for that person at 13 mm. than it is at 73, right? Mm-hmm. The rules are exactly the same. You, with your parents' support, I'm going to talk to him directly here, right? With his parents' support, he can actually do everything that anyone else can do. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a no-brainer 60-40 portfolio or using a bank account and just putting it on deposit because you're going to use it in the next couple of years, the parents can, there is a problem from a legal perspective that some of the investment houses and companies can't take an instruction from a minor, so under the 18 years of age, yeah. but the parents can set it up and have it in trust for him that the money is still his money. The parents can't take it back, but they can instruct how it gets invested. Okay. And what I would say 
you know what I'd love? Actually, I wonder would he ever come on with us? I'd love for him to read section three of the first book, How to Be Good With Money, because that's all about how to invest money and where to invest money. And I'd love him to read it. Do you know what? I'm, we might get his details and send him out a book Cynical. and ask him to yeah. read it. And when he's read it, I wonder would he come on afterwards and we'll just see what questions he has for us. Yeah. That's probably the best way of doing it because we'd like to give that, that lad a help at hand. Yeah. Yeah, he's but starting he can, very young. He can do everything. Well, if you think about it, Warren Buffett, and that's a message for him. Warren Buffett started investing at 13 years of age. Okay. Warren Buffett is in his 90s now. He's worth over 100 billion, one of the richest men in the world. Mm. And interestingly enough, one of the things that Warren Buffett says is, when, when, when you look at the statistics, at 50 years of age, Warren Buffett had 1% of the wealth that he has today. So 99% of his wealth has been accumulated since 50. And the reason for that is compound interest. Yeah. But it's, he's just been investing for a very, very long time. Yeah. And this 13-year-old, like I actually, <laughs> I'd love to get him on the show um, because that 13-year-old, we could do some lovely maths for him. We could really show him where he could go. And one of the things is at 13 years of age, he has made zero financial mistakes yet. Yeah. And you've got a real opportunity and those parents have a real opportunity to guide him correctly and get it right. That's exciting, actually. And they seem to have already been guiding him in the right direction anyway, if he's exposed to the podcast. That's it. But no, let's send him out a book. I'm sure you have his contact. Let's send him out a book, ask him to read section three and maybe ask, would he come on the show? Yeah, we'll do do that. that. We'll try that one. Okay, let's go for question two. Hi there. I just wanted to ask a question about the state saving schemes. Uh, They look like they have a guaranteed return and they don't have any dirt at the end of the the period. So I've got a um, a small lump sum of 10 grand and my appetite for risk is low. I'm looking to use this 10 grand in about five years to pay off a bit of a mortgage. And I'm just curious about whether you think it'd be good to put it into one of the state saving schemes or to put it into an investment like you guys would talk about on your show. Thanks very much. Bye. Give us a guess what my answer's going to be. What do you think I'm going to say, Amanda? In 60-40. Yeah. So <laughs> the problem with this is, right, and I, I and particularly as interest rates are starting to go up yeah. and state savings are starting to go up, it's always really attractive that the state savings have no tax on them. That's yeah. brilliant, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a real great attraction. And there is a use for them in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. But the general principles remain the same. If you're not going to use the money in the next five years, it doesn't belong in a bank account, on post account, or credit union account, or state savings. It's the same bucket, it's right? It's the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all just giving you deposit rates. And over long periods of time, deposit rates will not beat inflation, or they never have before. The problem what we're finding here at the moment is, is as interest rates are going up, and you're seeing rates of 3% and 4% being offered out there, and people are going, sure, if I can get 3 or 4% on that, why would I bother exposing myself to a 60-40 portfolio where it's going to go up and down? Yeah. Let's remember a 60-40 portfolio over her time frame, which is five years, has a 99.6% chance of a positive return. Yeah. And if interest rates go up, over long periods of time, what you're going to find is all boats rise. Yeah. So if your expectation for growth on shares, let's say shares, was 4.5% when bank accounts were down at 1%, and I'm, I'm making the numbers up here, when bank accounts double, might necessarily double, but there'll always be a relationship. You always, the markets will always drive us to be rewarded for taking risk. Okay. So what might happen is, is that the interest rates and bank accounts might go up before the reward is offered on the equity side, on the mm-hmm. share side. But ultimately, the shares will provide a better return over long periods of time. Okay. This person needs the money in five years time. 99.6% chance of a positive return, I think, a positive return, I think, is a reasonable risk to take. I might be wrong. We could be wrong. But ultimately, 
if this person absolutely needs the money in five years' time and they cannot afford to lose anything on it and they really need the interest that's been offered in the state savings, they may have no choice. And if I was talking to them directly, we'd, we'd weed that out and decide what the right thing to do is. But my gut here is saying to me, they're not going to do the right thing by going into state savings. When we see people looking at state savings for 10 years, there's no questions. Right. It's it's state savings yeah. for 10 years yeah. just is not the right place to be. State savings is a short term vehicle the same way a bank account yeah. or an on-post account or credit union account is. Don't use short term vehicles for long term goals. Full stop. Make sense? Make Does that sense, ho- I'm, yeah. I'm very conscious, you know, that the whole all boats rise thing that I'm talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, it does. And uh, I think. There is other options other than 60-40. Like, the, you know, you could do, say, a 40-60, yes. couldn't you as well? Yeah. Like, so I suppose and she, yeah. she has said her risk tolerance is low. And that's something that we deal with when people come into Prosperous. You mm-hmm. know, you give them, you do the risk assessment. Yeah, we do a risk yeah. assessment. Yeah. We do a capacity for loss and we do a required rate yeah. of return. So we yeah. do a threefold. The regulation requires that you just do an assessment of risk and that's it. Like, what mm. your appetite to risk is really what you're checking there yeah. to see yeah. what's their appetite for risk. I would strong, I, uh, that always gets in my brain when someone says I'm really risk adverse or I'm, I have a low appetite mm. for risk. I don't buy that. I believe nobody has ever explained it to them a way where they understand it. Yeah, yeah. And therefore we're scared of things we don't understand. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're right. 60-40 no brainer is the portfolio you use where you're not getting advice yeah. on your specific circumstances. Mm. But some people will end up with 40% in shares and 60% in bonds or 80% in shares yeah, and 20% on in bonds. Age, depends on where you're at in yeah. your yeah. financial journey. Yeah, it depends. And also your required rate of return can be a, dr- a driver of that. Mm. Like, so if you need loads of growth, you might have to chase loads of growth. Yeah. But if you don't need loads of growth, why take the unnecessary risk? Yeah. So, but 60-40 no-brainer is the real kind of, right, I don't know what I'm doing here, so what I do, I'll do this. Yeah, yeah. And most people actually, even after getting advice, will end up with a split similar to 60-40. So I'm not convinced that that's right. Unless unless there was specific circumstances where this money is absolutely needed in five years' time and they need a cast iron guarantee, I wouldn't be attracted to state savings over that period of time. So maybe end kind of advice for that lady would be get some advice on her situation. But if she does want to go into something herself, a 60-40 would be the best bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go for the next question. This is the last one? This is the last one. Okay. Hi, Owen. My name is Andrew. Um, I have a quick question with regard to um, taking a career break. Uh, so my partner and I are in our late 20s. Well, I'm in my very late 20s. And we've decided to take a career break for six months to do some backpacking, to do some travel. Um, we will both be unemploying ourselves. We're not taking sabbaticals. There's no safety net of returning to the same jobs when we get back. Herself is actually starting a, a, a traineeship next year, for, which will go on for three years. It's a paid one. So decided now is kind of the best opportunity to go before that starts and before life gets too serious with mortgages and all that. So is there anything that we could do now before we go that could help us for when we get back? Thanks very much. What do you think the actual question is here, Amanda? It, looking to prepare themselves, I suppose, to have some sort of, I'd say, work out a financial soft landing yeah, when they come yeah, back type yeah. of thing. So like th- that they'll have, they won't be left in a situation where they just have nothing and they're looking for jobs and, you know, they might be relying on a credit card or an overdraft or whatever. I I think that's, they're just looking mm. to be smart about their decision. My guess would be that they have their savings there for going on this trip. Okay. Decided to include this one because I know you always talk about experiences. Yeah. No, life is about experiences. Yeah. It's not things. Yeah. Right. And, the further you get on and the more clients I've dealt with, particularly in later life, mm. it's not about the money they made or the investment returns they got. It's about the things that they did. 
and taking the opportunity where they've got a unique opportunity there where they're going into a trainee, one of them's going into a traineeship next year. They're being clever about, right, we haven't got tied down with mortgages. We haven't got tied down with any of this other stuff. Let's go and get this done. I absolutely support it. Like, I think it's definitely something that if you've got the opportunity to do it, you should go and do it. What I would say is, is they're probably... You're probably right. Maybe they've planned out this six months and how they're going to afford it financially. Mm. I'd love if they planned out eight months and how they're going to afford it financially. Yeah. So the six months they're gone and the two months that they're back. Yeah. Like you definitely need to be landing back here with a few quid. You're probably going to need to be landing back here with a few quid for a deposit for a house. I'm not talking about mortgage deposit. I'm talking about deposit for the rental. That you don't want to leave yourself in an awkward position that you've had the best time, but it's actually been detracted from because... Six weeks before you're coming to the end of your six months, you're kind of, oh, geez, I'm starting to worry about getting home. Try and box it off now that you know what's happening when you come home, that you've got a deposit put to one side for the rent and for the, whatever you're going to rent when you get back. So or even, going to do. even a plan for with family. Like yeah. it, it could be the case that they could live with family for a while. Someone has a room, just make a plan, yeah. you know, to actually kind of cover those financial decisions that could come up when they come back or will come up when they come yeah. back that... You know, I, I don't know what situation they're in, if they're renting or hmm. they could just make a plan to stay with a family member when they come back. And that could be looking after that. But they still need to have. And I think that's some what they, sort of they finance. really need to think <clears throat> about the first two weeks when they come home. They need to think about that now before they go. So they're not thinking about it when they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that they can fully enjoy the experience yeah. while they're away as well. And the other thing is best plans in the world. The six months may not work out. It might turn into four months or it might turn into four years, Mm. right? So, like, I wouldn't be putting down any financial roots here right now because you never know. And I know the traineeship is there and we don't know what type of traineeship it is, right? Mm. But I wouldn't be tying myself to Ireland right now. That's a question that actually comes up a lot. Oh, I'm moving abroad to Australia for a year. Will I, I can buy a house now before I go, will I or won't I, right? Yeah. Uh, the amount of people who go to Australia and don't come back. Like I have a brother know, in Australia yeah, who yeah, went yeah. out in 1999. Like he yeah. went out with 15 lads or something for a year and he still hasn't come back. And so my problem is there, just be careful about the ties you're creating for yourself back yeah. here and just go with the flow. And there's a, there's, this is an experience and it'll probably be a life-changing experience. Yeah. And when your life changes, you mightn't still want the same things when you come back. Mm. Hopefully they still want each other. they will they're doing it together Um, but no what I would say is is just be careful about the commitments you're making but think about those first two weeks when you land back get it all sorted out in your head come up with you as you said Amanda get your plan try and have some financial supports there for you when you come back because I don't want you five months in worrying about and ruining the last month just actually making sure that you make the most of the experience while while you're there and enjoy it I do enjoy it let us know how you get on. I'm jealous. You know what? <laughs> these, these are always lovely. And we've got them from time to time from clients where you've built a financial plan out and you've worked it all through and you're going, okay, you need to do that trip. Like, yeah. Go on that trip. Like there's certain ones that I never forget that you get, like sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon and a WhatsApp picture comes in and it's yeah. a client in Asia somewhere or a client in the States or a client doing Machu Picchu or something, right? And you, you just look at it and you go, Wow, like that's it actually you spoke that, to them yeah. about doing that for however yeah. long. And, Thought about yeah, it, yeah. we planned it, we've built it into their financial plan, they've yeah. worked it through. So, what I would ask that couple that are heading off, let the listeners know, send us a message on Instagram at some stage. And what I do is, is if we spot it, I promise we'll share it because people <laughs> will, uh, people will love to see what's going yeah. on. So, what's the number, Amanda? People want to send you a voice note with questions or suggestions for themselves yeah. coming on or suggestions for guests to come on. What, who did what did WhatsApp? 
So um, send all suggestions by voice note on WhatsApp to 87 That's 87 one of the things I will say to people is that we are coming towards the end of series one. Yeah, we And are. we are starting the, all the planning for series two. We're mm-hmm. going to take a little bit of a break. But random questions, whatever questions you want to send in, yeah. don't worry about the topic. Just get them into us because it might actually steer how we put together series two. Yeah, and we do have a bank of questions still there from things that have came in that just haven't been suitable for some of the topics that we've been talking about. Um, so if your ha- question hasn't been answered yet, there is still a chance that it will be answered. Okay. Um, in the new year. Okay. Amanda, mm. thank you very much. Thank you. We're going to wrap up this episode now because really savings, I think it's simple. It's a habit. You either do it or you don't do it. Make a choice. Am I going to be a saver or am I not going to be a saver? Not saving means you're not a saver and that's a choice you've made and I'm asking you just to change your choice. Do a tiny bit. Do it regularly. Do it repeatedly. Do it over long periods of time and it's going to make a massive difference. I'll never forget the time a woman approached me on the street and she said, I read your book on and for the first time in my life, I've got savings. And I had never been able to save before and I took your advice and I changed and I applied it to me and it was the bit that got her was the fact that I had said, do a tiny amount, any amount. And I asked her, do you mind me asking how much savings have you got? And she said, I've been saving for 12 weeks. I've been saving five euros a week and I have 60 quid. And that 60 quid meant more to her than the six grand or the 60 grand or the 600 grand because for her, it was the first time in her life that she felt she was getting ahead financially. The maths doesn't matter here. It's the habit It's the feeling of actually taking control that makes a difference when it comes to savings. There are times it's going to go wrong. Like, the big mistakes I see people making are that they go too heavy. They save more than they can possibly afford to live their life with what's left over. They do it at the end of the month or just before they get paid again, they save what's left in their bank account. That's a big mistake. Do it at the start of the month. Get it right from the start and live your life guilt-free. They have unrealistic expectations and then they feel like a failure is one of the bigs and then they say oh what's the point in saving sure I have to keep dipping into it all the time because life keeps happening life will happen stuff will happen you will have to dip into it you will fall off the wagon and you'll need to get back onto it again but the point is it's not it's not about how many times you fail oh this is very cliche but I'm going to pull it out of the bag anyway it's not about how many times you fail it's how many times you get back up again and if you just consistently repeatedly do the right things you will get the results you need Remember about the emotional attachment. You have to have an emotional attachment to savings. And if you're doing this as part of a couple, you absolutely need to be on the same page. You are not getting away with this going one-handed. And in fact, if one of you go off and do all the savings all by yourself, the resentment will start to build up. And you will feel like, hold on a second, I'm doing all the heavy lifting there. They're off living their best life and they're going to get all the reward at the end of it. Savings isn't that hard once you get it started. Getting started with savings is very, very difficult. If you are one of those people who's struggling, sometimes these little challenges can help. Like the, the whole idea of starting with one euro this month and two euros next month or next week or whatever it is and increasing the volume, that's a perfect way of starting. But the point is, is that you start really small and you're building up. The challenge might be, you know what I'm going to do? I might do three days of no spending at all and or two days of no spending or no spend days. 
Try those things. Some of those things work really, really well for people. I've watched people who get great joy in the fact that they haven't spent any money all day today. Not a penny has come out of their bank account and they haven't gone in and bought anything. And it really gets you to concentrate and focus on where your money is going. But savings challenges, no spend days, trying to get some other reward because, like giving yourself a little reward because the bigger goal is getting better. These are all tools that you need to drag on and you need to find what works best for you. Saving and getting the habit together is a habit for life. If you create it now, you will have it for life. And you know what? When financial surprises happen, when life happens, you'll have somewhere to go other than the credit card. Get your savings habit started. It's not that hard once you put a bit of work into it and you don't put too much pressure on yourself. This has been Understanding Money. This has been the savings episode. I'm Owen McGee. I appreciate you listening and we appreciate the follows more.